We'll turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 23 this morning. Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 23. The context here is John the Baptist is in prison for speaking truth to Herod. And as John is languishing in prison, he is struggling with doubt about Jesus. So he sends two disciples to ask a question of Jesus on his behalf. And the answer of of Jesus tells us not only what John, but what you and I should do when we are struggling with doubt about the identity of Jesus Christ. Before we read our passage, let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us Luke's gospel, the gospel of of knowing for sure. Teach us today from your word and help us all to know for sure that Jesus is the promised one who has come and who will one day come again. Help us all, Lord, to have the assurance of faith that is ours in Christ Jesus. It's all for Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. Let's read and hear together Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 23. This is the word of the Lord. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Well, have you ever had doubts about Jesus? I'm not talking here about the doubt of an unbeliever. I'm not talking here about the skepticism of an unbeliever. I'm talking about the doubts of a true believer. Someone who, who names the name of Jesus Christ as, as Savior and Lord. Someone who's trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but then there's something in your life, something that happens in your life. A, a trial or a, a circumstance some, some adversity, and you begin to wonder if, if everything you've believed is really true. Is Jesus really the promised one who is to come? Is Jesus really the promised deliverer and savior of his people, the one who fulfills all of the promises of God? Or should I be looking for someone else to put my trust in? This is, this is John's struggle in this story. John's in prison, and, and his circumstances have, have rattled him to the core. 
he is wondering, is Jesus the right guy? Is he the one that I should be looking for? Is he the one who has come to fulfill the saving purposes of God? John is struggling with doubt. The Bible says a lot about doubt. Doubt is not a a hush-hush topic that the Lord forbids his people from talking about or even thinking about. In fact, the, the vast majority of times the Bible talks about the subject of doubt, it's not talking about the doubt or skepticism of an unbeliever. It's talking about the doubt of God's people. The doubts that true believers experience in their lives at times. The doubts of, of individuals who, who profess Jesus as Lord and Savior. I think this is one of the reasons we need the book of Psalms. It's one of the reasons why we, why we need to sing the Psalms in our worship of God. Because in the Psalms, the inspired word of God, what do you see? You meet believers who, who wrestle with doubt and the hard questions of faith. God, why have you forsaken me? Why do I go about all the day oppressed by my enemies? Lord, why are you so far off? Why do you not hear my cries? Why do you hide yourself from me in times of trouble? These are questions the psalmists ask. And I think it's worth reminding ourselves if we're singing the psalms, these are words God places upon our lips. So we see that in the Bible, God not only tells us stories about individuals experiencing doubt, but he gives us words and songs and psalms to express that very struggle in our own lives. Question maybe you've you've thought about, though. Where where does doubt come from? I guess if you want to speak properly, from where does doubt come? How How does someone as sturdy in their faith as John the Baptist become so shaken in his faith here? I think doubt can be caused by a number of things. Sometimes it comes when when Satan tempts God's people to not believe what God has said. Sometimes doubt comes when we're experiencing physical suffering in our lives or someone we love is suffering. Sometimes we doubt when we're mourning the death of someone we love. Sometimes we doubt when we have allowed ourselves to fall into some kind of habitual sin in our lives. Sometimes we doubt because, frankly, we're disappointed with God. We had expectations about what the Christian life would be like, and those expectations haven't been met, and so we doubt God's word. And sometimes we doubt because our circumstances in life are so difficult, so dismal, that we begin to doubt the purposes of God in in our own lives. And I think it's those last two things that John the Baptist is wrestling with in our passage. John had expectations about Christ as the Messiah, the conquering Messiah, who would come in salvation and judgment. But those expectations were not being realized in John's life. Instead, the forerunner of the Messiah, John the Baptist, finds himself locked away in a prison cell with very, very bleak uh, future prospects. And so John begins to doubt, was was I right to base my whole life on this man? 
Was I right when I proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? Am I right to to put my trust in him? or, Or is there another one who is to come? Should I be looking for someone else, Jesus? That's John's question. And so here we have an example of a great man of faith wrestling with doubt about Jesus. Friends, I think there's something about that that should be tremendously encouraging to us in in an ironic kind of way, that, that believers experience doubt, that sometimes they struggle in their faith. So what do you do when you struggle with doubt? What do you do when you wrestle with doubts about the identity of Jesus Christ? My friends, you do what John does in this passage. You go to Jesus. That's what, that's what John does here. John has doubts about Jesus. What does John do? John takes his doubts and his questions to Jesus. It's a very, very simple point But it is absolutely crucial that we understand this. It's crucial because true believers experience doubt. And so this is what we're going to focus on today. What do you do when you have doubts about the identity of Jesus Christ? You take those doubts to Jesus. You go to him and you go to his word. You look again at the person and work of Christ that you find in the trustworthy, infallible word of God. We'll look at this passage today in in two parts. I think it breaks down very uh, neatly for us. In the first couple of verses, we have John's question, and then following, we have Jesus' answer. So this is what we'll think about today. First, John's question. Told here, John heard about the the great things that Jesus was doing. Preaching, performing works of mercy, performing miracles. But even still, he began to wonder in his heart if his trust was misplaced. Am I looking to the right guy? He, he He had very a very important question about the identity of Jesus Christ. John couldn't go personally to Jesus because he's in a prison cell, and so he has two of his disciples go and and ask Jesus on his behalf this important question, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? I was wondering, have I proclaimed the right Messiah? Was I I right, Jesus, when, when I said that you are the Savior who is going to come and spread the knowledge of the Lord across the earth as the waters cover the sea? Are you the promised one? Or has my entire ministry been for naught? Now, John knew his Bible. John was a a Bible man. He knew his Old Testament well. And and perhaps while he's languishing in prison, he thought of some of these passages from Isaiah, passages like Isaiah 42, which talks about the Messiah coming. And when he comes, he he would bring prisoners out of dungeons and rescue them from darkness. Or perhaps his mind went to Isaiah 61, which says that when the Messiah comes, he would open the prison gates and set the captives free. But now here is John locked in prison, and you can imagine why he might be wondering, why am I here? Why is this my situation? Why aren't these promises about the Messiah coming 
true. And I think it's very important, very important, brothers and sisters, that we understand this as we think about John's doubts. These are, these are not, this is not the same kind of thing as the doubts of an unbelieving skeptic. John is not looking for reasons to doubt. He's not looking for excuses for unbelief. John is looking for answers to his doubts. This is a believer then trying to to reconcile his experience with the word of God. So I think his question is, is a sincere one, an honest one. Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the promised one? Or should I look to someone else? And see, here we have the the, the great John the Baptist, great prophet of God, the greatest, greatest saint of the old covenant era, experiencing doubt. Now, you know, some people don't read the passage that way. Maybe some of you are familiar with how others interpret this story. Some say John doesn't doubt. Some say John isn't asking the question for his own sake, but rather he's asking the question for the sake of his disciples because they need a word of encouragement from from Jesus. People like John Calvin, J.C. Ryle read the passage this way, but it it doesn't read that way, does it? This This is John's question. John is the one seeking an answer. And and this passage doesn't say anything about the doubt of John's disciples. It has everything to do with John's own struggles. And when Jesus answers the question, what does he say? He says to John's disciples, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. See, It doesn't help us, friends, when we see our fathers and mothers in the faith through rose-colored glasses. It doesn't help us to exalt the great men and women of the faith to such a degree that they're no longer like us. To to, to be sure, John, John was a man of great and bold faith that we should aspire to. But John was also a man who struggled at times with doubt. He struggled in his faith. And I think there's something encouraging about that. I think... I think of of Abraham. We've been studying Abraham Sunday evenings. A great man of faith. The father of our faith. And Abraham was a a great man of faith. Abraham left his home and his family and everything he knew on the basis of God's word alone. Go from your land. Go from your family, Abraham, and go to the land that I will show you. And Abraham went. Abraham went. It's an incredible act of faith, but we often forget that there are also episodes in Abraham's life where, where he, he struggled to hold on and believe the promises of God. He doubted at times. And my friends, it's important we get this. Even giants of the faith can struggle in their faith. And in, and in this dark night of the soul, John the Baptist is struggling. And Jesus, what does he do? We see something here, I think, of the tenderness of our shepherd. Jesus shows himself to be the the loving pastor of his people. He doesn't rebuke John. He doesn't say, send this message back to John. Dumb question, John, you already know the answer. He responds to John's question and he wants to give comfort 
He wants to give assurance. He wants to give confidence to John's doubting heart. So he sends John's disciples back with, with a message that spoke directly to John's deepest concerns. John wanted to, uh, wanted to know, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? And so Jesus wanted to assure him of that very fact. So he sent John's disciples back with a report about the word of God that spoke to that very issue. But before we get to Jesus' answer, this is what I want to make sure we all get today. Even someone as great as John the Baptist struggled in his faith with doubt. And I don't think, I don't think John is being sinfully skeptical here. I think he's being honest. I think he's being sincere. This is a sincere question of a struggling believer, and he is doing what we ought to do. He takes his doubts to Jesus. I think it's safe to say, friends, we all have or we will experience things that raise questions of doubt in our own hearts and lives. You, you may even be here today asking these very types of questions. Maybe you're going through some trial, some adversity in, in your life, and you're, you're asking the questions, how is this part of God's plan in my life? Where, where is God in the midst of of all of this, has, has God forsaken me? Why is he so far off? Is my trust in Jesus misplaced? Friends, if you've wrestled with such questions, one of the things I want to say to you today, dear brother, dear sister, you are not alone. You are not a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. You are not sub-Christian. Even giants of the faith struggle in their faith. I said part of John's struggle had to do with his expectations. Just think about that for a moment with me. John knew who he was. John knew that he was to be the forerunner of the coming Messiah. John the Baptist, this is how we should think of him, he was the last prophet of the Old Testament, even though we meet him in the New Testament. He was preparing the way for the coming Messiah and the coming kingdom of of God. Listen to how Paul summarizes John's ministry in Acts chapter 19, verse 4. It says, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. So John understood that the one coming after him was the coming Messiah. And back in Luke chapter 3, if you can remember back that far, we saw that John we saw what he was expecting when the Messiah came. And so in Luke chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, John says, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandal I am unworthy to tie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then hear this. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat in his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So John understood who he was. He he understood that he was the forerunner of the coming Messiah, and his expectation was that when the Messiah arrived, he would come in salvation and he would come in judgment. That he would bring salvation and deliverance for the people of God and judgment on God's enemies. And so with these expectations, 
you can, you can begin to see why John is wrestling here. Because Jesus did not live up to everything John expected about the coming of the Messiah. In John's mind, the Messiah would bring, yes, salvation, and yes, judgment. But according to all the reports that John is hearing from prison, all he hears is Jesus is going about the region, preaching sermons, and showing works of of mercy to the, to the sick and the needy. And so he's left wondering, Jesus, when, when are you going to get to the really important stuff? Or, or are you the one that I should be looking to? Why aren't you, why aren't you sweeping away the dead religion of the Pharisees and, and driving out the oppressive Roman Empire and ushering in the kingdom of God? Jesus, when are you going to do this? And so John the Baptist the greatest Old Testament believer, the last Old Testament prophet, is struggling with with doubt. He had these expectations that were leading him to doubt whether Jesus really was the Messiah. But again, what does John do? John takes his doubts, John takes his question to Christ. My friends, this, this is so simple, but so important for us to understand for our own lives. John doesn't allow his doubt to fester. John doesn't try to bottle it up and pretend like those thoughts aren't really there. John doesn't allow his doubts to turn into something worse. No, John goes to Jesus. John takes his question to Christ. He seeks assurance And in doing so, he asks an honest question of Jesus. I think think there's another thing we should should notice before we look at Jesus' answer. I think think here's another lesson. It's a subtle one, but I think it's here. I think another lesson is that if we are struggling with doubt in, in our own lives, that we should share our struggles with other believers. That's what John does in this passage. Now, I know you might say, well, John's locked up in prison. He can't get to Jesus. So, of course, he has to ask these two disciples to go on his behalf. But isn't it something when you slow down and think about it? Here's John the Baptist, this great preacher, this prophet of God, and he's willing to share and open up, share his struggles with these two disciples as he seeks assurance. And notice there's, there's no shaming in this story. There's no shaming as a result. John's disciples don't reprimand him for expressing his doubt. They don't show disappointment, nor does Jesus. John sought assurance by taking his struggles to Christ, and he did so with the help of fellow believers. I think that's a wonderful, beautiful picture, brothers and sisters, of what the church of Jesus Christ is to look like. A community of disciples helping one another grow in the assurance of faith. A community of disciples where you don't have to pretend to always have the answers. A community of disciples where people can ask sincere, hard questions about Jesus without being shamed as sub-Christians. I don't think the church is always very good at this. The church should be the place where believers struggling with doubt can find real help. They can find real encouragement. And I want to I say something to, to our young people, our 
kids or teenagers, college students. Please, please hear me. This is so important for you to understand. The church is the place for you to ask questions about Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is the place for you to ask hard, sincere questions about Jesus. The church is not a community of of know-it-alls who never struggle. And if that's your perception of us, then frankly, we've failed you. The church of our Lord Jesus Christ is a fellowship of disciples seeking to help one another grow in the assurance of faith. And that means we don't ignore doubt or shame people experiencing doubt. But together we look to Christ and we pursue a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done. So with John's question, I think we learn that we're to take our doubts to Jesus and that as a church, we're to help one another grow in the assurance of faith. But let's look at at Jesus' answer to John's question here. John's disciples went to Jesus and notice they asked the question verbatim, word for word. Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And in verses 21 through 23, Jesus responds by deed and word. Look at those verses with me. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the dead hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So how does Jesus answer John's question? Jesus answers John's question by pointing him to the work of the Messiah and the word of God about the Messiah. Jesus seeks to assure John by pointing John to his work and to the word of God. One other way, he he points John to what he's doing as the Messiah and he points him to what the word of God says about the Messiah. And so to to deal with with doubt in our own lives and to grow in the assurance of faith, we must look to the work of Christ and to the word of God. Jesus tells us to look to him and his work and to look at it in light of the inerrant, inspired, infallible word of God, to the very word of God. Look at the work of Jesus and look at the word of God. It's, it's such a simple formula. But you see, God, Jesus is giving us God's divine strategy for bolstering our faith and growing in the assurance of our faith. And it's, it's not complicated. If you struggle with doubt, what's Jesus saying? He's saying, look to me and to what the word of God says about me. Look to me. For all the questions that you have about my identity, my mission, why I've come to earth. And and in doing so, friends, we find that it is in Christ that all of the promises and redemptive purposes of God find their fulfillment in him, in his ministry. And so Jesus points John to the work of the Messiah, and we read that in that very hour, 
Jesus performed all these miracles. When John's disciples asked the question, Jesus displayed his, his healing power to demonstrate his identity as the promised Messiah. And I think what we really have here is, is a summary of the ministry of Jesus that we've seen so far in these seven chapters of Luke. He healed the sick like he raised Peter's sick mother-in-law who was near death. He cast out evil spirits, rebuking them by the, by the power of his word alone. He, he cleansed lepers like the one who came to him and said, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. He, he brought the dead to life like the widow's son, her only son of name that we looked at last week. See, Luke has reported the miracles of Jesus to help us know for sure that he is the Messiah who has authority over sin, over evil, over Satan, and over death itself. But these miracles, I think this is another thing we need to understand here. These miracles, uh, Jesus isn't just giving unexplained evidence of his power. It's not as though we're to, we're to look at these miracles and then on the basis of them alone conclude, yep, Jesus is the Messiah. Rather, I think the function of, the, of these miracles, the miracles are signs meant to point us back to the word of God. The work of Christ was always grounded in the word of God. So the mission of the Messiah was defined by God's word. And so Jesus performs these miracles to display that he is the promised one of old. That he is the one who has come to fulfill the saving purposes of God. That he is the Christ of scripture. And so the miracles show that his ministry is the fulfillment of the mission of the Messiah, which is defined by the word of God. And so Jesus is saying to John, basically this, look at my work and look at the word of God. Don't, see what he's doing for John? Here's doubting John. John, don't doubt the word of God. Believe in me and trust in God's word. Be assured, I am the promised one. Look at my work and then look at the word of God. And so Jesus pointed John to his work as the Messiah and he pointed him to the word about the Messiah. And, and, and when John heard this report that came back from the two disciples, he would have recognized right away that the, the words they were given come right out of the Old Testament. Come out of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah says in chapter 35 that when the Messiah comes, the eyes of the blind would be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And that the lame shall, shall leap like a deer. And in Isaiah 61, we're told that the Messiah was anointed to bring good news to the poor. What have we seen in the Gospel of Luke? Jesus, anointed by the Holy Spirit, going into the countryside, proclaiming good news to the poor. And so Jesus grounded his messianic work in the word of God. He's not just a wonder worker, friends. He's the Messiah sent by the Father to fulfill the word of God. And his, his miracles confirm his identity as the Messiah promised of old. 
So let's just think, of, think about this with me then. So how does Jesus deal with John's doubt? He deals with John's doubt by pointing John to his work, which evidences the truthfulness of God's word. He's saying, John, you, you can trust me and you can rely on the unfailing word of God. And my friends, that is such an important reminder for all of us. Because how are we to deal with doubt? Yes, God's word gives other instruction. But in light of this passage, how should we deal with doubt? What is the chief thing we ought to do? We look to the work of Christ found in the word of God. And we believe from the depths of our hearts that the Bible is sufficient to dispel doubts. Because it is in this word we learn the true identity of Christ. And we have affirmed to us that he is the promised one who has come to save sinners by living a righteous life and dying in their place on the cross to secure eternal life and hope for all who belong to him. And so this is a simple but a profound truth for living the Christian life that we can do nothing better to grow in our faith individually and as a church together. We can do nothing better than to deal with our doubts than returning again and again and again to the person and work of Christ grounded in the word of God. It's what the Bible is, is all about. It's what God wants us to understand from Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, God wants us to understand and to know and to trust Christ. And my friends, this is God's, God's strategy for, for dispelling doubts and fears and growing us in faith. To take us back to Jesus, the Messiah, who has come and who will come again to fulfill the purposes of God. So if we want to dispel doubts and if we want to, to grow in faith in our lives if, and if we want to help brothers and sisters who are struggling in the faith, what is the, the principal thing we ought to do? It's, it's clear in this passage, isn't it? We look at Christ and we look at the word of God about Christ. That's what Jesus did for John. He identified John's doubt. He isolated John's doubt and he dealt with John's doubt with the truth of God's word. That's something you and I need to be able to do in our own individual lives and it's something we need to grow and be able to do for brothers and sisters. We need to isolate doubt in our lives and we need to point others to Christ and how Christ dispels us of those doubts. This is the main reason. Again, God has given us his word. A good question. Always ask yourself before you sit down and read your Bible. Why has God given me this book? Many, many reasons can be given. But we often forget the main reason. In the words of John, we have the word of God so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing in him, we may have eternal life. Or remember the the opening words of Luke in this gospel, in Luke chapter 1, I think it's verse 4, he writes to Theophilus, in order that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. My friends, God wants you to be sure about Jesus. 
He wants his people to have the assurance of of faith. This is something God intends his people to enjoy. Now, we live in a day where the popular thinking is no one can be certain about truth. Truth cannot be known with certainty. Brothers and sisters, we do not live by the philosophies of this world. We live by the word of God. And his word tells us that we can know with certainty that Jesus is the promised one, the Savior who has come. So let this passage be an encouragement to you today. God has, has given us this book to address real doubts, real questions, real fears, and our, and our doubts and our fears can be dispelled with the veracity of Scripture, and our questions can be answered with the truth of God's Word. God has given us this, this gospel that we may have the assurance of faith that Jesus is everything we need, that he is the Savior we need, that he is the Savior who's come to bring the fullness of salvation, the Savior who's coming again to judge the world and to redeem his people forever. Now, when some people hear that, they take offense. And this is exactly what Jesus talks about at the end of of this passage. This is what Jesus warns John the Baptist against in his, his final words. John, don't be offended by me. Blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Don't be offended by me, John, because... I'm not meeting your your expectations. Don't get the wrong idea about me and think that your expectations determine my mission. Jesus' work, friends, this is what Jesus is saying to John. My mission, my work is defined by the word of God. And what does the word of God tell us? It tells us that Jesus, God sent Jesus into the world so so that through Jesus, He would save his people and through Jesus judge the nations. And so to some, Jesus is a rock of offense. But to those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is a rock of assurance. Someone who can be held on to and trusted. And in him, our fears and our doubts are dispelled and all of our questions find their answer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, how do we deal with our doubts? Let's end here. How do we deal with our doubts? We go to Jesus, and we look at the work of the Lord Jesus Christ grounded in the truthfulness of God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for this marvelous gospel which is intended to Give us the assurance of faith that Christ is the promised one of old, that he is the savior that we all need. Today I pray that if anyone is here, not with the doubt of a believer, but with the doubt of skepticism, Lord, that they would find their questions answered by your word. I pray that if there are any doubting believers here today, that you would apply this word to their hearts and give them rich encouragement in the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.